When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Those journeys only give you what you need, not what you want. But it's still going to change, and sometimes change isn't very fun or easy. Right. In fact, usually change isn't. I always, going back to what I had just mentioned about thinking versus knowing and, and, it, and it being a reality and being something you fully embody, you become, you are in the experience, so you, you it becomes a knowing for you. Wherever you guys are watching this show, I would truly appreciate it if you follow or subscribe. It helps a lot with the algorithm. It helps us get bigger and better guests, and it helps us grow the team. Truly means a lot. Thank you guys for supporting, and here's the episode. All right, Danica Patrick, greatest female driver of all time, now a podcaster and doing some cool things. So thanks for coming on. Thanks, Sean. I'm happy to be here. Absolutely. Your journey has been amazing honestly um the spiritual side of things really spoke to me like you have on some amazing guests on your show was that a big part of your life when you were an athlete and even before that or did it come across later yeah that's a good question um in fact when i interview drivers now they usually say so is this all new or you know where did this come from Mm -hmm. and it's always been there but there was just never as much time to to dive into it and and really really learn and um, make it a part of my life. So uh, it really didn't happen until the last couple of years of my career. Me and my girlfriends got all spiritual and hippie and mm. went to Sedona. And, and But it's always been there. I mean, even when I was a kid, I was buying, like, you know, astrology books and getting psychic readings. And mm. I, I've always been into the metaphysical and the spiritual and the supernatural and the religious and, you know, never believing in any one thing, but always being so curious and skeptical and wanting to learn more. Right. I was super skeptical growing up. Not going to lie. Like I didn't believe in any of it, but having guests like Mateus, who we both had on, Billy Carson and a few others, even some numerologists, it really opened my eyes. Isn't it crazy how they just, they just, they don't make a mistake and they're so clear. There's such a convincing nature to their delivery of the information. Um, I'm actually interviewing um, Elizabeth April tomorrow. You probably should have her. She lives here in Vegas. Oh, nice. And um, she goes into all the spiritual and the, and the extraterrestrial and galactic federation and nature of reality and everything. And so, um, yeah, there's there, it's so interesting how they're able to just hold steady with the story. And it always ends up making sense. It, it really makes you believe it's true. Yeah. No, it is. I've seen some compelling stuff. Yeah. I even hired a spiritual coach, which people, some people think I'm, it's crazy. But yeah. What for what? Just for so what? she has abilities to read into your past lives. Yeah. Have you done anything with past oh, lives? Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Elizabeth April does past life regressions and oh, I've exactly. had past life regressions and I was pretty into like getting readings of sorts from all kinds of different people right. um, for, for qu- quite a few years. Um, yeah, for Th- sure. This girl is brilliant. So yeah, I had some past life trauma. She addressed that. Um, she found out which system I came from. Uh, I think I had Syrian. Wait, let me guess. Oh, good. I was going to go ahead and guess for you, but that's great. Okay, Syrian. And then numerology side, I'm a 33 life path, which uh, I don't really know how to explain that, but it's... Yeah, I don't know numerology very well either. Okay. 
Uh, but yeah, I'm an Aquarius and a bunch of other stuff. But also, like, I can just run people by her, and mm-hmm. she'll let me know if it's a good person to work with, cool, be friends with, which is super useful. Does she need their birthday? Does she do a quick? Re- does she do like a, an astrology dive to just to sort of check them, or, um, or is it more? Does she just psychically connect with them? Yeah, all yeah. she needs is a picture of their eyes, actually, yeah. oh, and she can she... read pets. So I, I have two dogs. She was able to tell me which what problems they have. It, it's awesome, she man. She was right? Yeah, she was spot on. That's so cool. I got to connect with my father who passed away. Mm-hmm. I didn't really have closure with him. Mm-hmm. And it was just really good to get some because that actually hurt me for a bit. Oh, well, I'm, I'm sure it was your father. Um, there's just so much more to this reality. And I think that some of the things that I'm really rooted in are truth and like just questioning everything and mm-hmm. learning and learning for myself um, what I believe instead of somebody telling me what to believe. And I think that we're in a part in history right now where that's becoming more and more prevalent, where people are um, learning to question things and re- realizing that they're not always telling us the truth right. about everything. And so why would it stop at just um, politics? Why would it just stop at what's in our food? Why would it stop at any of those things? It might It, it goes on for everything. So the nature of our reality is something that absolutely like hits me every day. And I wonder it. I'm like, mm. is this a simulation? <laughs> is this a holographic reality? Am I like, I really wish I knew. Am I really looking at a shout out to another bite hosted by John Dick, Jareen Monroe, Ariel Boswell. And it is on the HubSpot network, the number one network for business professionals. They basically do a recap of Shark Tank episodes. They cover their favorite episodes. They interview entrepreneurs that pitch. They give their thoughts, their own ideas, and even come up with some of their own companies. I just listened to an episode, and it was from season one of Shark Tank, The Ionic Ear. This guy wanted to surgically implant a device into your brain. It was very hilarious. Check them out wherever you listen to podcasts. Another bite. Peace. Looking at a tree, or is this just what is this? And um, <laughs> yeah. so I, I love, I love to dive into that stuff because, for me, when you learn more about, well, the truth is we're probably never really going to know, right, until you die, or or possibly then. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you know more about the reality that we're living in, I would like to think that it means that I would know how to play the game better, mm. right? So if if we were in, a, if we were in a, a uh, a matrix. If we were in a matrix, maybe then that would mean that we're already planned out. We're just a game. We have no, we're, we're along for the ride. Mm-hmm. If we were holographic, then you know we might be able to create our reality in a way that we just don't understand. And it's the difference between like thinking it and knowing it, mm. um, which kind of takes you into plant medicine world, which is a world that I've kind of dabbled into. Oh yeah. Um, have you gotten into that oh, too with yeah. your spiritual curiosities? Yeah. Tell me about that. First time was in Amsterdam. Oh. I was, I think, tw- I might have been in high school. Wow, I was 18. Yeah, I was 18 years old, did uh, an eighth of mushrooms. Okay. Walked. How many for grams like, is that? So it's 3.5 grams. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's so a good I dose. walked. Great dose. I walked for eight hours straight, smiling the whole time just <laughs> around mushrooms. Amsterdam. <laughs> yeah, it was the best trip of my life. Now, <laughs> with my current anxieties, I don't know if I could do a full trip like that again, though. Really? Yeah. With your anxieties, huh? Yeah, I feel huh. like because when you're younger, you don't have as much pressure. This uh, was for me, at least, because yeah. I grew up, you know, middle class, didn't have much worries financially or anything. Yeah. But now I feel like there's more stress. Well, I mean, those journeys only give you what you need, not what you want. So that's kind of something you have to be ready for. And always that your life will change. Mm-hmm. And you don't know how that's going to be. And it might be amazing, but it's still going to change. And sometimes change isn't very fun or easy. Right. In fact, usually change isn't. And so... 
Um, I was going back to what I had just mentioned about thinking versus knowing and, and, it, and it being a reality and being something you fully embody. I think that's what happens in those spaces is that you go so deep that you you viscerally live it. Mm. You are it. It's not just like something you're thinking or reading. You become you are in the experience. So you you it becomes a knowing for you. And so when you come out of those experiences, um, your outside reality doesn't match the inside anymore and it wow. takes time for it to catch up yeah i'm a huge mm-hmm. fan of uh microdosing so i still mm-hmm. do that mm-hmm. a couple times a week but mm-hmm. what's been your experience with psychedelics are you doing the full doses or the microdoses? um i don't micro um i mean i've recreation a little bit but um but journeys too mm-hmm. like um you know i did a, i did a five gram mushroom journey that wow. was pretty pretty big yeah. that is intense yeah and then ayahuasca um, so I've only done a few, but man, they have really like, they're so prophetic. Like mm. they're just so life changing. Um, and they can, you can integrate them for years. Yeah. It can wow. take serious time. But I, I mean, I'm a, I never would tell someone they have to do it. I could only tell them my experience and, um, then tell them that they just have to be ready for their life to change. Well, number one, it's got to call you. And number two, you have to be ready for your life to change because those things you need to do it yourself because mm. you don't want to do it and not want to do it and then have the change come and be resentful for whoever told you to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it has to be your decision and then ready for the change, which it's ideally in a good direction. It just isn't easy when the change is happening. That's all. Right. So you were at a pivotal moment in your life. You felt like you needed some guidance and that's yeah. when you did it. And, and even just like the curiosity of it was calling something in. Sometimes we don't always know where we're going, mm-hmm. um, but we get these calls to do things and... Um, you know, I, I, I do believe that the higher self is kind of leading us along. So mm-hmm. um, so maybe it's just kind of your higher self going, all right, so it's time. Right. <laughs> you need this experience. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like it help, helps me function in my everyday total normal waking life where I'm working and doing all the normal things that I do um, at better and happier mm-hmm. um, and knowing that there's just so much more. I love that. So yeah. speaking of not knowing when you, where you're going, when yeah. you retired from racing, did yeah. you have a period where you felt kind of lost in life? Because that was your whole life, right? Yeah, totally. Not really. I was lucky enough that when I was still racing, I had a lot of projects going on. So... Um, <clears throat> I had like a clothing business at that point. I had a wine company. Um, I was already doing speaking engagements. So I had I had lots of stuff already going on. And I wanted to work less. Mm. And I wanted to take more vacations and travel more. I love traveling and love going to new places. So um, so I already knew that I wanted to do less. And some somewhere within that less was adding some travel. So I've kind of reached a point where I feel like I'm actually at a pretty full schedule, to be honest. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Back with like, you know, nine or 10 races a year, which ultimately adds up to nine or 10 weeks a year. Mm. Um, Doing the podcast, um, doing wine. I had a, I had a dinner for Somnium, my, my Napa Valley wine Mm. in um, Scottsdale where I live uh, a couple nights ago. Um, You know, 50 people, we had the whole restaurant and I tell stories about the wine and I, get a little tipsy with everyone and wow. we have a really good time and then they order wine that they like from the night. Um, so, you know, all those things keep me really busy and I also, you know, I've become a golfer and a skier. Okay. And so like all these things that I never had time to do when I was working, uh, I have time to do now. So, right. yeah. Because you were yeah. all in on racing yeah. and basically with that mindset, did you take that over to the business world or it sounds like you're living a bit more casual? Yeah, I, I'm, 
I've realized, I think sometimes it's important, well, it's always important to know what you want to do, but maybe um, along those lines, also very important to know what you're not good at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm just... Uh, I'm very visionary. I have a lot of ideas. I pretty much think of a company for everything. I'm like, <laughs> oh, here's the solution. We'll just start a company for that. Um, but then I'm not very good at the details mm. and execution. So um, so part of my journey into the business world has been um, understanding that I'm not good at that and, and getting the right people around me and um, creating structure and that, that, that makes them encouraged to work and, and do a good job. Uh, finding a good balance of people. Um, and, uh, and, and just, you know, knowing that I'm not so good at those details. Right. Well, I feel like that's actually common for professional athletes because you see these statistics of like 80% of them going broke within a few years of retiring. Oh yeah. That's bad. Yeah. It's really high. I don't know if it's like that with racing, but I know Mm -hmm. with like NFL and NBA, it's super high. Yeah. It's having good guidance is super important. Um, instead of just every, every idea you have, what about a house? And somebody's just a yes person and they're like, sure. <laughs> what about a plane? Sure. And then all of a sudden, um, there's, there's nothing at the end. That's a, that's a really terrible plan. That's actually kind of hard to do. I feel bad for the people that do run out of money. It's, yeah. uh, yeah, yeah. That's about it's happened to me. I, I thought it never would, but it's really, yeah. Crazy. Do people it steal? All. I mean, did people steal from you too? Uh, yeah, I got robbed. I mean, I got scammed a bunch of stuff, but it was all just at once uh. and it just, but it's uh, looking back, I think it motivated me even more, you know, really losing yeah. everything. Yeah. How long ago was that? Uh, two, three years. Oh, that's it? Yeah. Pretty recent. Is that why you've been pushing so hard with the show and working your butt yeah. off? Yeah. And... Lost over 10 million. What? Yeah. Crazy, right? God, I have to get divorced to do that kind of thing, <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, man. But it's a learning lesson. Is there any specific races, moments that uh, you still think about to this day? Or have you come to peace with everything that's happened? Oh, yeah, I'm all good. Um, I mean, I think I'll always think back to my first Indy 500 that I was leading at the end and um, and was told to sort of turn the fuel mixture down, lean it out, which restricts the amount of fuel that comes in mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> until the point where I was getting caught by second place. And then he passed me and mm. I ended up finishing fourth in the race, which is still great, but um, but definitely had enough speed to win. And then really probably had enough fuel too. So, but but here's the thing. I tell the story to say like, look, winning the Indy 500 would have been really cool. And especially the first time I did, it would have been like, like unreal for any driver, unreal for anyone to win their first try. It's so Mm -hmm. very hard and it takes a lot of luck and being at the right place at the right time. But, um, but I also wouldn't change it because it's led me to here. And I'm all about the whole like sliding doors effect in life that Mm -hmm. if I would have won my, I would be, I would not be sitting here with you today. Right. I wouldn't live where I live. I wouldn't have my dogs. I wouldn't have had the experiences. There's so many nothing. It would have been nothing. Wow. And I'm so grateful for my life. And I love my life. And um, I love all the challenges I've had because they've made me grow. And I love all the successes I've had because they are evidence of my effort. Um, but um, but I wouldn't change it. So but that's the only thing I think about. And I'm like, man. I yeah, to I was listening to you on Jocko on the way here talking about <laughs> oh, that. Oh, yeah. That yeah. was a good one. And, and that you, was a super deep dive into my whole, whole career. If anyone wants to hear every detail of my career, Jocko. Yeah, you went in. Yeah. You let loose. And you were in racing like before the big money was even there, right? Um, Well, I was in NASCAR. I missed it. Like I kind of came in right after that. And then, yeah, I would say I kind of came after it. I would say there was so much money in racing in general. Mm-hmm. I was kind of on a little bit of an upswing in IndyCar-ish for a while. Mm-hmm. So IndyCar had a... Uh, a split um, where the series split into two different groups. 
um, way back in the day in the 90s. And, um, and then actually, I won the Japan 300 um, in the IndyCar series in April of 2008. And then I flew directly to Long Beach, California for the very, very last champ car race. Mm. And then we merged back again. And so, uh, so actually, I was there for the merger back again in 2008 when the series combined again, and that helped. Wow. Yeah, it, it always interests me when you dedicate your whole life to something and, you know, it doesn't start off with the money at first. You just genuinely like to race, right? When you, oh, yeah. you started as a teenager. Yeah, I, I've always had a really good peace of mind and belief that when things are done right and when you do a good job that the money will show up the interest will show up, the like everything will happen. Like right. as a little mini story, I don't know why I think of this story, but I think back to my, it was 2005 and I'd almost won an Indy, at the, won the Indy 500 and um, the uh, the ESPYs were calling, you know the ESPYs, the, the show. sports show for yeah. awards for athletes. They wanted me to go and I couldn't quite make it happen easily. Like I was like, I had to be in Nashville for an IndyCar race and, and I just was like, you know what? If I keep doing well, they'll always want me. They'll mm. ask me to come again next year. Um, now, they did send the Disney jet for me, um, so I did go. <laughs> nice. Um, but, uh, <laughs> and then I ultimately ended up hosting it in 2018 when I retired. Wow. Uh, so that was pretty cool. And I went every single year since, from 2005 all the way to the point where I hosted in 2018. Incredible. And, um, yeah, I, I told the producer uh, within those first couple of years of going, I think it was when Lance Armstrong hosted. And I was like, an athlete's doing it? I was like, I want to do it. And uh, so fast forward to 2018, and I was asked to do it. And I said to, to, to Maura Mant was her name, and she's, she passed away a few years ago, um, unfortunately. Uh, but I said to her, I was like, Maura, I told somebody that I wanted to host the ESPYs. And she goes, you told me. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shoot. Wow. Uh, so anyway, um, that was pretty fun. Everything comes full circle, right? Yeah. The more I think about it, like, this is why I never try to leave on a bad note with anyone. Because oh, you really so never know if they're going to come back in your life and when. That's so true. It's so true. Leaving a good impression and doing the right thing. And um, yeah, I'd say my parents raised me to, to, to really try and do a lot of that too. Nice. Um, be a good person and don't burn bridges. And um, yeah, it's easier said than done sometimes. But Yeah, especially um, with like ex-boyfriends uh, or whatever. Yeah, it's actually what I was thinking was exes. <laughs> but then I thought if I mentioned that, everyone's going to think me, I'm total yeah. <laughs> so, no, those are but, the toughest, I think, because you're the most vulnerable. It's true. So they know everything and mm -hmm. there's just some resentment. But even with exes, I just I forgive them, you know. Well, it taps into all of our insecurities and it's the most sort of psychologically deep experience that we have. Um, I've never been ruined by anything more than relationships in my life. Wow. Yeah, that's a for statement. sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, I retired and was like, all right. Here we go, and then there's a breakup, and I am a mess. You know, <laughs> damn, it's really interesting. We all have our thing. Do you not yeah. think that? Like, some people struggle in relationships. Some people struggle with work. Mm -hmm. Some people struggle with family. Um, some people struggle. They, they feel like there's like everybody has their thing, and that was that's just kind of always been my thing. Yeah, there could be some trauma. Maybe as a young kid, you witness. Who knows what it stems to? Yeah, I mean, I've gone pretty deep into psychology to try and figure it out and psychoanalyze myself <laughs> for sure. So, um, and I've kind of definitely excavated some truths in there. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it well, is. It's well, in the trauma. Yeah, it's and in the it's in the patterning. It's in the things that happen when you're a kid that give you a narrative. Mm. 
And not only that, you're also a high profile person. So your, your relationships are public sometimes, which is tough. And also you're a successful woman financially. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I've read studies on those actually where those types of women struggle to find men. So the cards aren't in your favor. I have seen that. Intelligence and success reduces your chances of finding a good mate. Much really? Very much. Yeah, it's like a hypergamy thing. Um, you know, Jordan Peterson will talk about this a lot. And anybody that dives into psychology, into social constructs, like <clears throat> it's, um, yeah, hypergamy is like women tend to date um, lateral and up and men to date lateral and down. Mm. And so... Um, and that being like a like intelligence and, and and success, and so having both of those, I'm not saying I'm super smart. I'm okay. <laughs> like I, I I have a GED. Like I'm throwing it out there. I'm not. I'm. If you ask me to tell you when World War One was, I can't answer that question. Um, but um, but you know, I've had a lot of life experiences, and so um, but having intelligence and then and then having success are both of the two things that really reduce. Yeah. The- I knew the su- success one. I didn't know the intelligence. And yeah. with intelligence, there's multiple forms, like you're saying, right? There's yeah. the book smart, mm-hmm. there's the street smart, then mm-hmm. there's the emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. Do you have the emotional mainly? No. Oh, no, no? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just give you a blank answer with that. Um, uh, I would say I'm more like intellectual smart and, and I'm, I'm very – I looked into um, – when it comes into emotional intelligence and, and empathy being a really big part of that to being able to ha- communicate and, and uh, like relate to someone having an experience – which is the really important part with the emotional intelligence is being able to meet them where they're at. Mm -hmm. Um, I looked into the different aspects of it because I don't take on people's feelings. Like if you're sad, I don't feel sad. Mm. Um, And that's a very, that's probably the most common way for empathy, empathy or empaths is to feel your feelings. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, so I, have looked into the, the way, like the kinds of empathy and I have the one where, uh, I have to understand you, so I it ends up feeling a little like a like a quest like I'm questioning you or right. um, maybe wanting to even fix you, but I just want to understand. And so I I'm like that million million question. Like somebody's like oh, I'm sad. Well, what are you sad about? Why are you sad? What were you thinking <laughs> about? What makes you sad? Yeah. Like I'll just keep asking because I want to understand, and that's how I that's how I empathize with people. I'm so. like that too. I've never mm, seen that really? in a woman actually. Oh, I feel wow. like it's mainly a guy thing. Oh, so you get it. Yeah, I get it. My my, my fiance understand. hates it because she's an empath. Oh. So she wants physical touch. She wants me to feel her feelings. Yeah. And I try to do that, but I'm more logic based. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sounds like you're, you're very similar. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I like physical touch too. The five love languages, that's number one for me. Mm-hmm. But on a like on a side note of like a different ish note yeah to understand and like be able to relate and um like be with someone's emotions i want to understand them um so i just want the full scope of it much better yeah and look it's not beyond me to want to help yeah (laughs) so i have to just listen um women just want to be heard that's a very common thing Mm -hmm. but i think that's to men too i think everybody at times just wants to vent right you want to just and you want someone to just go, great, I, I'm sorry, are you okay? And like, give me a hug and, or just sit there. And, uh, and is that, does that feel like it's what your fiance wants? It's just listen. Yes, all the time. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've gotten better, you know. Yeah. Once we understood our love languages, we took that test. We took a couple personality yeah. tests. I think it really helped us because we thought we loved each other in the same way, if that makes sense. Mm. But we appreciate it in different styles. Mm. Were you showing it? You were showing it because usually what happens is you show love the way you want to get it. Exactly. Yeah. So hers was touch. And I think 
words of affirmation, mm. but mine were acts of service. Oh. Like those two were low on mine. Yeah. It's okay to be different. You just have to know. Exactly. Yeah, because you want to make her happy, and she wants to make you happy. You just need to know how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So anyone I work with or want to be friends with, I have them take some tests, like personality so tests. There's one called Dark Triad. Have you taken oh. that one? God, I hope I'm not in the Dark Triad. <laughs> Jeez. So that one measures your three worst traits and how high you score. Oh, oh, I thought it was like the dark triad of like narcissism, yeah. narcissism, like Machia Machiavellian, Machiavellians, and then like psychopath. Like psychopath. So it measures those three. Oh, jeez. Yeah. So some people score high on those, and you got to keep an eye out. Okay. <laughs> I really, I love to know about myself, so I'm like, oh shoot, I wonder how I'd score. I should take the test. I think you should. Let me know off camera what you got. I won't reveal it. I'll. T I would tell anyone. <laughs> I would. I think. I think. I'm just like stupid honest. It's so. It's like. It's. Yeah. It's good. I think to be honest. I mean, some people take honesty as an insult, but if if you have the right intention with the honesty, I think it's good. You know what I mean. Mm. And it's always for that. And I think that's probably because I love honesty. For me, I tend to be really honest with other people. In fact, I have some very very spiritual friends um, that, um, like one in particular, she's like, when I need to know the truth. I come to you. <laughs> and um, because I'm also, you know, trust my intuition. So between the intuition and being able to deliver the truth, there's very little time gap and I just do it. Mm. And um, and when I do it and she's like, yep, that's, that's what I needed to hear. Yeah. And like, you're right. I've been thinking that. And um, so, but it's always in light of their their highest timeline would be the spiritual way to say it. Like, it's always to help them be happier, happier just to like, cut through it mm -hmm. and at times it's just because it seems so obvious to me yeah and then it tends to be a little too blunt <laughs> something powerful about your intuition they call it your gut right yeah. trust your gut there's yeah. there must be something spiritual behind that because it's usually always right yeah well i think our body's giving us information right so you know i've been in plenty of situations um where you know you'll get like you'll get a feeling right your stomach will tighten up you won't feel well it'll be you'll get discomfort right. in the body and it's giving you information um, and so, yeah, no, I think there's something there. Cause I feel like everyone has an energy field. I've been looking more into this and sometimes yeah. your body can feel it before your brain can recognize it Yes, and then just give you signals. Yes. You meet them before you meet them. Yeah. Cause there's certain people that walk in the room, you feel it. And there are different sizes of fields too. So the fields are not always the same. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're very close to the body and sometimes they're very big. Interesting. Yeah. That is cool. Now, being one of the few female drivers in a huge male-dominated space, did you have a support group of people, girls to talk to, like when you were going through rough times? No. So it was just you? Yeah. I mean, I have my family and people along the way, like those those kinds of people that are, you know, very near and dear and totally in my life, um, relationships along the way. Mm -hmm. um, but no, no, not really. I'm, and, you know, one of the very common questions you get, especially as an athlete, was if you had a role model or an idol growing up. And I never did. I always mm. just... I just had people, I just tried to learn from everyone, but I never wanted to be like anyone. And mm. I never said what, you know, I, I, I would ask for advice, but I would ask anybody for advice. So there was not like a mentor or a specific person that I always went to or had phases of going to this person then evolved into someone else. It, it's never really been like that for me. Mm, that is interesting. And with yeah. your competitors, was it more of a support type of energy or were they seeing you in a different light? Uh, what do you mean? Like... All the male drivers, yeah. like you were the only female one, right? Uh -huh. So did they support that? Did they cheer you on or were they more oh. like adversarial? Uh, I'm not sure they cheered me on. 
but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think there were some that, that were much better about it and some that were, you know, um, didn't let it affect them. Um, and then I think there's some that it did. Mm. I always make sure I say that everyone has to prove themselves. So guys out there against guys, if they're a rookie, they're going to have to prove themselves. Mm. Um, I will too. But I think the difference is, is that there will be some that I will never convince. And, um, and that's kind of the difference. So, wow. um, you know, there were just some that were just always <laughs> out there and you just, <laughs> you just could never get around it. Yeah. Um, but that's okay. I got a lot of advantages by being a girl. So mm. I, the disadvantages are just also part of it. I believe in the balance in life mm. and the sort of the, the duality of our, re, of our reality is here and here. Like even my highs and lows were bigger when I was racing than I, than now because of the extreme, you know, danger and pressure and success and magnifying glass. Like, you know, there are higher highs and lower lows. Right. Now they're a little bit less higher high and lower low. Mm -hmm. You know, that's just kind of like everything that we do ends up having sort of a polarizing, uh, like a, uh, an opposite, equal and opposite. Yeah. Um, energy carry i love that mindset because some people only want good things to happen mm. to them they only want upward mm. trends and i don't think that is fulfilling yeah yeah I, I well without pain there is no growth growing pains is just if you want to grow you're going to go into pain and you see that people that are super stagnant and don't ever change or evolve mm -hmm. they are the people that are are rooted and stuck in their ways they're not going to think different they don't question things um, I end up actually, I really think that a lot of times people, um, you know, defend their position so much on like fundamentals, like politics and religion and those kinds of big buckets is because they're such a foundation of who you are that it's implied that there is a, it's like a pyramid, like, and the thing crumbles when mm -hmm. you take those away, meaning what else are they going to have to question and that what else is everything mm. because it's fundamental to your to your belief system, to your values, to what you do, to why you do it. Um, and and that is scary. Back to change. That is scary mm. for everything to change. So it's easier to not change. But you're never going to have you're not you're not going to evolve to what you I believe could be if you just said yes to the truth. Yeah. Whatever that is. There's something uncomfortable with being comfortable for me. You know what I mean? I always want to be evolving, changing, yeah. becoming better. That's what life is. Yeah. Well, that's why you're here now. That's why That's why you're doing what you do. Um, because you, I mean, I, I share a similar feeling where I didn't realize that what really motivated me in racing was this feeling of discomfort. Mm. I actually thought that was my, my weakness. Mm. I actually thought that it was like, I'm not brave enough out there. I wish I was a better risk taker. I wish I was more reckless at times and just went, I, I wish I was, I wish I was just a little more aggressive. Wow. Um, but I realized that when I was done that it was actually being on that edge all the time that really motivated me. Interesting. But I was also equally very scared of it. Wow. But it was totally what motivated me. So now that I'm done racing, I just plug that into other things. And it tends to be a little bit more mental what I'm doing now. So it's based like 
do interviewing, you know, fascinating people, brilliant people where I, I feel like I have to become a physicist to interview them. <laughs> and, you know, I really put pressure on myself to meet them where they're at and do a good job. So that's a small example. But those are the kind I do that or, you know, or or I learn to do a new sport or, right. you know, something like that where I don't know what the hell I'm doing. But I'm going to stretch myself. So it sounds like you have some of that same similar, similar feeling of just like discomfort is actually what you seek. Yeah. And when you say you had fear, was that fear of the actual racing part or like how people would react? Mm, yeah, that's a good that's a good question to just sort of distill it down to the specific. Um, I didn't really fear dying. It wasn't really like a fear of life or my body, but it was a fear of failing. Mm. It was a fear of not being able to do it. So when I was younger, they'd ask me what I was the most scared of. And I was like, failing. Wow. Yeah. So it's kind of the pressure I put on myself, whether it's an interview or learning how to be a golfer or whatever it is. It's like, what does it say about me if I can't do this? Mm -hmm. You know, and I don't ever want to think I can't do something because in my mind, I also on the flip flop, I think I can do anything. Yeah. Like, it's even in my mind. I think that if I believed full full body, like if I really believed I could dunk a basketball, like you probably can. I can. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you again. Six five. Yeah. Um, if I like believed it enough, I would be able to defy physics how, in the way that we think we understand it. Five one. There's people that could dunk at your height. Stop it. I swear. Yeah. Spud, they must have to actually fly then almost. Spud Webb was, I think, 4'10 and he won the dunk contest. Stop it. Yeah. It's possible. Insane. Um, but I believe I can do anything, but it's, but it's actually on the other side of it that I fear so much that what will it say about me if I can't do this? What will it say about me if I look like an idiot when I'm talking to this person? Mm. Or what will it say about me if I, you know, go into broadcasting and, 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 and don't do a good job and I don't sound intelligent? Or what will it say about me if I try a new sport and I can't figure it out? What will that say about me? And I, cause I believe that I can do anything. And what it right. would say is like, that's not true. Mm. One of the things a lot of athletes get heat for is the media and the people on social media that yeah. judge their bad performances, whether it's a bad game, a bad race. And, you know, it really, I put myself in their shoes and it must be so hard mentally to see those things online about you every day sometimes. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of fun people out there. Um, <laughs> you get used to it pretty quick. I think that if I'm going through like my life and what gave me the skills to, um, are you interested in coming on the Digital Social Hour podcast as a guest? We'll click the application link below in the description of this video. We are always looking for cool stories, cool entrepreneurs to talk to about business and life. Click the application link below and here's the episode, guys. Or the mindset to be able to handle it. My dad was pretty tough on me when I was a kid, so mm. I love him dearly and we have an incredible relationship and I wouldn't change a thing, but it is part of what made me who I am. And so um, you know, when I'd come off the track and he'd be like, you know, if I didn't tune the carburetor right, he'd ask me if my effing fingers were broken. Like, wow. you know, he was really tough. Was and he a racer? So, yeah. Okay. Um, so, you know, this was happening at 10. And so, you know, those are pretty aggressive conversations every weekend when you're just a 10 year old yeah. or 11 or 12 or fourth grade, man. Yeah. So I didn't even know that for it in fourth grade. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so it really conditioned me to be able to be tough and resilient. And I needed that. Mm. Dude, did I need that? Because then fast forward to the age of social media and being an IndyCar and then NASCAR, people have plenty to say. I right. mean, 
Richard Petty has said I'm, you know, or Kyle Petty has said terrible things. Bernie Ecclestone, who used to run Formula One. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are people along the way. And then, of course, all the fans that you would have never, you don't know who the hell they are. Right. You've never met them before. Um, They'd say, I wish you died in that crash. Damn. You know, or whatever that you suck. You shouldn't be taking a ride from someone that knows what they're doing. You're just a show. Mm. Uh, So, you know, to be able to, like, deal with all that and laugh about it uh, is is because I, I think I was built resilient from a young age. Nice. Yeah. yeah, the fan ones. Yeah, there's the fan ones or whatever. I think it's when people you care about make those comments. Those are the ones that can hurt. You know what I mean? Well, I look at this from a kid's perspective in school, and I've totally thought that same thing, where when people make comments to me, I don't know them. So I don't. I know that they maybe they would think different if they actually met me. Mm. But when we're talking about kids and social media, they might have something said about them by someone that goes to their school that does actually know them. Mm-hmm. And that's got to cut a lot deeper. I can think to myself, you're a stranger. You have no idea. I don't know what you're doing. Are you in your parents' basement? The old, you know, right. making comments <laughs> from there. Um, but they don't. And so what a tough age. What a tough dynamic for so many people that deal with social media and the criticism and everything i i don't envy parents and having to deal with how to how to handle that and the the side effects and the psychological effects of of all the criticism that yeah people get. it's different yeah because back in our day you just got bullied physically <laughs> and <laughs> that right. was that was at least it was face to face you know yeah. what i mean and you could deal with it but now it's like people make fake accounts i just saw jake paul on uh whose podcast was it uh george janko's podcast mm-hmm. he was saying in high school they made a page called um jake small and they were saying how he has a small <laughs> and like it really got to him it's just like a different form of bullying Jeez, you know man it's yeah yeah i life is building us to be resilient right now mm-hmm. right absolutely I, yeah um i saw you remove your breast implants recently oh yeah, that was a year and a half almost two years ago now wow was that a health reason <laughs> man dude i had such a health journey it was a disaster. Mm. Um, I mean, it, it was, yeah, I got them I got them when I was 32, mm. and I ended up having them for seven and a half years. And I would say that I didn't really notice much the first three years. And then one of them, like, had capsule contracture, and then I thought, was it from crashing a race car, which mm. just seems like a legitimate reason why there could be something that happens. And then found out that wasn't true. And then eventually the other one did the same thing, and that was after racing. Wow. And so I was like, well, obviously it's not from crashing. And then um, fast forward to 2020 and just life events. And I think with the body, the body is so good at dealing with, 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 with issues. Mm-hmm. Like it does a really good job. You can throw a lot at it, but eventually it's too much. And mm-hmm. so between the implants, between stress, between, you know, uh, like the, the wear and tear I was putting on it in the gym, Um, probably a diet that wasn't balanced enough. Like when you keep throwing things at it, it just finally shuts down. And that's what it did. Um, at the end of 2020. And like my, I like, I like didn't even look the same for a while. I look back at pictures even a year ago and I'm like, oh my God, my face didn't even look the same. (laughs) This is still like a year after they came out. But when I got them out immediately, um, and I tried so many things for years, um, because for me it was like, you know, I was getting tired, I was gaining weight, I couldn't lose any, mm. I was not recovering from workouts. It was just, I was just a mess. And um, 
And uh, yeah, so I got him out and immediately like the first thing I noticed that night mm -hmm. waking up on the couch was like, because I had it, uh, I, they fit me in very quickly, thank God. And so <laughs> the appointment was at two o'clock in the afternoon, I think. Yeah. Which was tough for old Danica because she had to be hungry all day. But finally, <laughs> anyway, get home. And then I like touched my face and I had natural oil mm. on my face for the first time that I could remember. Wow. And I was like, so my scalp was dry too for years and just various different things like that that are just very, you know, cosmetic in a way. Um, and so my skin, I was like, oh, wow. And um, inflammation was dropping mm. like every day, like dramatically. And so that was kind of the start of what kind of unlocked the, it was like the big key to unlock the door to getting back to where I was again. Cause my, even I had done various, like tons of different tests. One of them is called a Dutch test and mm. it's where you uh, pee on a piece of paper throughout the day different times and yeah. it marks like it t checks for your hormone levels and all kinds of cortisol and so the first one I did my cortisol was flip-flopped like it was spiking in the middle of the night and then coming down from there it never mm. went up when I woke up so it was like flip-flopped like I would call it adrenal fatigue um just my body was just in full shutdown mode amongst gut issues and wow and all you were young too I mean this was you know a few years ago so I mean in my late 30s yeah. so um, so yeah, but I'm finally like finally back on track. I still take a handful of pills a day, okay. you know, a little, are they holistic at least? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. DHEA and yeah. vitamin D and some of them are elective like probiotics and digestive enzymes and beta alanine and things like that. Nice. So I don't have to take a few of them. Um, I do have to take thyroid medicine now. So okay. you had a thyroid sucks. problem. Yeah. My thyroid function was like in the basement. So damn. And that's, All my hormones were at, were low, super low. And so. is that from poor diet mainly, the thyroid stuff? I think it's just from. Sh I think it's. I think it could be from some of that. I've mm -hmm. heard that you know carbohydrates, lack of carbohydrates can really reduce um, thyroid function. Mm. Um, so, and that was I was paleo for like seven years. Wow. Because I got into CrossFit, and that's what you did in CrossFit, and so. You know, I was hammering my body for an hour or two at the gym, sometimes doing two a days, and then I was eating paleo which doesn't include grains or much complex carbohydrates mm -hmm. uh so yeah i was coming at it from all angles <laughs> i used to have the opinion that like there were just buckets of energy there was like the workout bucket yeah. there was the emotional bucket there was the mental bucket there were all these different buckets and i thought well i can pull from each one every day and then i realized it's all the same damn bucket <laughs> and now i'm like okay so if I have, you know, if I do a workout and then cold plunge, that's it for the day, right? Like that's like two buckets. Mm. If I have a lot of stress because I'm, you know, maybe I have a, you know, maybe I'm doing therapy or maybe I'm going through something really emotional and something like I try and keep it to like one or two hard things a day and that's it. Like Otherwise, that. you just tax your body too much. And yep. so I used to do all of them every day. Burnout's a thing, right? For We've real. We've all gone through it, and it's rough. Sometimes you'll have a panic attack and just end up on the floor, mm -hmm. and you don't even know why. And mm. it's burnout. Yeah. It's a real thing. Yeah. I I actually have thought about this, like, following along to aging and wondering, like, people think that aging is just this normal thing. And I just think I'm going to live till 120, or at least that's nice. what I'm going to do. I love that. I think I'm going to live to 120. Um, so I wonder how much aging is just ignoring all the 
important things you need to be doing along the way. And then we think our body slips and it's just this normal thing called aging. And it's really just because we don't really understand how to take care of the body properly. Absolutely. I just I took, know. A ta- you know, Tally Health. No. It's a biological, it measures your biological age. Cool. So you do like a mouth swab. Okay, yeah. So I'm all about that stuff. How'd it go? Do you have it back yet? Yeah, so I'm, I'm five years younger than I actually am. Fantastic. So I'm 21. That's what I told my girl, so I'm younger than her now. <laughs> oh my God, that's so incredible. Yeah. Already to yeah. be ahead of the curve. Well, Joe Dispenza, I don't know if you're familiar with him. Yeah, I know Joe. Yeah, yeah. so mm-hmm. his biological age is 20 years behind his real age. That's how healthy he is. Oh, Joe, all that meditating. <laughs> have you gone to one of his... Um, no, or it's anything? on my bucket list. I've had so many guests that have gone to those and yeah. s- speaking so highly of them. <clears throat> um, my fun story from the, I interviewed Joe and then I think I interviewed him in 19. Yeah, that's when I started my podcast. And uh, this is when I was doing them all in person, which was great. So I, I was in LA and mm-hmm. it was also very easy to get people in LA. And then fast forward to 2020, and one of my girlfriends asked me if I wanted to come do a little one-day event with Joe. Mm-hmm. There was like 20 of us there. Um, and so he taught us this cool manifestation technique. And um, I had such a great experience that I have to share it. Uh, and I guess it's power to his sort of methods. And nice. I'm excited. And 20 I, years younger. But I love manifestation. He was like, think of what it is that you want to manifest and then write that, write the letter for it to represent it on the piece of paper. And then like draw your little bubble around it. And on the left side, write down three to five reasons why you want that. And then on the right side, you write down three to five elevated emotions, Mm. having achieved or accomplished or got whatever it is that you want. And so we go through our day, and at the end end of the day, we are finishing with the meditation because there's a lot of meditating with Joe. (laughs) And he leads them all. It's it's amazing. Um, But anyway, so he goes into the manifestation technique and – and so I go into it. Anyway, fast forward. It's the end of the day, five o'clock. We go to dinner afterwards. And so I'm sitting down and this girl next to me taps me on the shoulder and she's like, hey, I, I, um, I heard you're interested in Egypt. And I was like, what? Do you know what I wrote down? I wrote an E for Egypt. Wow. And I was like, what? And she goes, oh, I, I don't know what you wrote down. She goes, but this other girl said you were talking about it. And there's a f- trip in February if you want to go. And it was the end of October. It was almost November. What? And I was like, what? And so this is on, you know, this is still like, this is November 2020, basically. Yeah. And um, so it was like at a weird time where we didn't even know if travel was going to happen. Um, uh, of course it did. And it was basically empty in Egypt when we went we were there <laughs> for two weeks. And it was this beautiful like pilgrimage through the temples and pyramids. Um, but I was sitting at the table and I was like, Joe, uh, hey, I was like, that took two hours. <laughs> that is so, crazy. It was so crazy. That, I don't believe in coincidences. After I had Robert Edward Grant on my show. I love Robert. Yeah. I mean, he I just, just went to Egypt with Robert. Oh, I've got to yeah. hear about that. So being yeah. from Syrian lineage, that's my dream destination. Of course. So please tell me about that trip. Of course. Well, Robert is just like beyond brilliant when it comes to math and geometry and numbers. And so uh, I interviewed him as well. And mm-hmm. he interviewed me and we hit it off. And, um, you know, then he had had some like past sort of memories of seeing me in Egypt and, you know, he's a very spiritual guy. And so anyway, um, so we've been friends now for a couple of years. And so he was talking about doing kind of a, you know, kind of like a VIP trip to to Egypt. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, so we went and we, we went to a bunch of pyramids. We didn't do any temples and it was a very spiritual experience. It was very, it was like a work trip. I Mm. felt like we were all 
like reunited from ancient times where this is just what we did. That's and so we were cool. there to like anchor new. Fr- I mean, I always say these things and I can think them and I can do them. But like yeah. to say it out loud is like, I'm sure I sound weird <laughs> right now. But it was to like activate frequencies, to anchor new, to anchor new frequencies, to activate different chakras for the planet. Yeah. And um, so I love yeah, that. That's yeah. so cool. I yeah. remember filming this episode, Mind Blown. I texted him a few days later. I just found out about my Syrian lineage and my past lives. I was so excited to tell him. Yeah. And he was like, dude, I already knew that. Yeah. And I was like, bro, this yeah. guy is on another level. Yeah, yeah. Oh, what was one fun thing that happened? Um, So in the pyramid, um, one thing that he did, he's like a modern day. He's like a real Indiana Jones. Not a modern day, a real one, because Indiana Jones is fake. Mm-hmm. He's like a real one. And um, so they make discoveries all over the place and find alpha omegas like in the king's chamber on the sarcophagus mm. and um, which definitely wasn't sarcophagus. Nobody was dead <laughs> in there. Um, I don't think anyway. And so he's finding all these things on the walls. And so he's showing us and he's teaching us and he's like, do you see it now? And he'll sort of like laser it and show you. And, mm. and you're like, I mean, I see it when you do that. And so afterwards at dinner, I'm like, so are you saying that A, it's there actually? B, are you trying to teach us how to use our minds differently? Or C, are you trying to get us to all believe that it's there so that we actually change matter as a collective consciousness? Mm. And he was like, hmm. And I don't know if it was a cop-out answer, but he said, all of them. And I was like, (laughs) ha, ha. Because everything's just perception, right? And I totally believe in like this, like, you know, I don't think we understand is the point. And so on a metaphysical level, if we all agree that something's there, can we actually change matter? I don't know. I mean, I've seen Mateus summon rain, so that something like that wouldn't shock me. You know what I mean? Have you interviewed Robert Gilbert yet? No, I'd He lives here in Vegas too. You have to. I wanted to, uh, so I've interviewed him a couple times now. And um, he is, uh, he teaches a Rosicrucian order. Mm -hmm. And so in the Rosicrucian order, I've been kind of obsessed with magic lately. Mm. And I want to learn magic, like real magic like that, like changing the weather. And um, because I believe everything's possible. Everybody's going to listen to this and they're like, Danica is absolutely. We're nerding out right now. (laughs) Absolutely. One flew over the cuckoo's nest. Um, but, um, but he's, uh, he's an, he, he knows all about that stuff. And it was actually my second episode that I did with him is, would be interesting to learn about or listen to if you were to talk to him, because it wasn't about all the magic that you'd end up learning. Mm -hmm. That's all kind of part of it. It was more about why are you doing it and your own personal journey. And it was actually a really, really, really incredible foundational, um, episode as to how to step into that space more. I've had legitimate sources confirm that you can summon weather and like even governments know about it. Well, I mean, my favorite book is The Alchemist. Mm. That's what he does. That's a great book. It's a great book. I love that. Yeah. Wow. We just nerded out there. I love that. We totally nerded out. (laughs) I love that stuff. I mean, I'm so into it. I just like want to understand. And maybe I, so one thing about me is that I just love to be in the mystery. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying all these things and like I'm totally sold and 
no, I'm I'm very open minded. I can change my mind and um, with information. I I would love for you to change my mind on anything, anybody too, because it means I learned something new. Right. Um. But uh. But I also just kind of love to be in the mystery of like what's really going on and and like what if it's this? And so it's like it's like spending time in in mm-hmm. fantasy land. You no, know, for sure. Might not be true, but it's kind of fun to be there. Yeah, it might not be. I mean, we don't have any <laughs> physical proof, but the fact that I've been tapping into this the past year, I've just been noticing a lot of things. You know what I mean? Like a lot of like things. What? Just the fact that like we might be in a simulation. Right. Like I'm just picking up on certain things and like I feel like everything's almost in a controlled environment if you really look into things. Actually, what just came to mind is the uh, the um, Mandela effect. Mm. Have you looked into that? I love that. I've seen yeah. every YouTube video on that. Like that would be a, a matrix kind of thing. Like a glitch in the matrix. Like, mm. oops, when we like did that down up like that that upgrade to the app called humans mm-hmm. we made a couple mistakes <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i haven't seen a good explanation on why those occur and it happens in almost everything i've also seen that maybe it's people that maybe it's a test as to our ability to just accept something new without mm. question interesting it'll be it'll what's be. your take on aliens because you've done ayahuasca you might have met some i actually i <laughs> wish i could that's a very a lot of people do um, but, uh, I haven't and I would like to, okay. but I have more human experiences for sure. So, but I a hundred percent believe they're real. I think they're real. Yeah. I mean, the question I have is like, I mean, the Miami thing was pretty fun. I think that was programmed. You think so? I don't think that was real. I think it was holographic. I think so. Cause even Alex Jones was saying years ago that they're going to start doing holographic aliens and then it just happened randomly. I know that guy's crazy, but... I a, love Alex. A, I'd love to interview him. A lot of this... So I'm having his doctor on. I'll introduce really? you guys. Yeah. Cool. So yeah. he knows all the stuff, but he a lot of the stuff he says happens. It's pretty wild if you look at his track record. You know, it is. Conspiracy theorists. That we need a new word. Yeah, it's a bad ahead word. Ahead of the game, ahead of the curve. <laughs> I think... Truth didn't tellers? the CIA come up with that term? To Propaganda, de- Operation yeah. Mockingbird. Defer people. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, the CIA. CIA. Crazy, huh? Can't trust our own. CIA. It's crazy. That's a shame. Is it? I mean, I think we're just being called to trust our intuition, to learn how to read and inf- read read it through our body. Um, we're being and to question things, and so because we can't just watch TV or listen to something and feel like we're getting the truth. We don't really know. We're gonna have to become our own gauge. Right. We're gonna have to be our our own lie detector. And that's a shift I've made in the past few years, being more questionable. Yeah. Um, when I was growing up, it was almost like I was following a script. Mm. I would wake up at six, turn on the news, mm. feel like absolute shit, honestly, from the news, go to school, be depressed, follow orders from the teachers. And it was just like a simulation almost. Mm. And I feel like I'm breaking free a little bit. Yeah. Doesn't it? It starts to feel like so many people are so crazy. It does. Well, you probably look more crazy to them. No, it's, I mean, I surround myself with the right people, but yeah, That's it's good. it's wild to see what I used to do living in Jersey. I look back at years past and decades past, and I think about the way that I used to operate, and my mind just doesn't work the same at all anymore. I'm mm. just not the same person. Yeah, you're evolved. Yeah, thank God. If somebody says you've changed, I'm like, Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I've been working on it like really hard. You don't want to be in the same town you grew up in, just still at the bars on the weekends, you know? You know, you don't want to be doing the same thing. You know, for those who are in the same town, that's okay if that's your passion. And But, but like evolve and grow as a human being and um, learn about yourself and what's going on around you and your family and psychology and patterns and 
all that stuff. Like it will just help your life be happier. Absolutely. Yeah. I know we've mentioned a few of your favorite guests, but is there any other specific episodes that really stand out to you mm. that you filmed? Um, hmm. You know, I always love Zach Bush. Have you talked to him? I had him on last love month. Zach. Oh my gosh. I mean, it, it's just, he like, uh, he was in Egypt with us too. Oh, nice. Recently, yeah. Um, but he, he just has a way of like opening up this like, emotional portal mm-hmm. of like whoa that was amazing and he goes there and he's an emotional guy and uh and passionate and so um i've always loved talking to him i always find it to be very fascinating and i learn something new um but yeah i i i think that usually the episodes that are the favorite are are because i really try and prepare for each guest so yeah and a lot of them that I have a lot more preparation for, I'm I'm already fascinated with them. They're already unreal to me. They're yeah. so cool. Um, but it's the ones that you kind of didn't see coming where you're like, holy crap, you mm. know, I didn't know you were into that. Like the one that always sticks out to me is the one that like that shocked me the most was um, I'm trying to think who I also had that. Day. It was Zach it was the first time I interviewed Zach Bush, but I also interviewed um, John Paul DeJoria. Oh, who started Paul Mitchell and Patron. Yeah. And you thought he'd be all about money. I just thought he'd be business. And like, I'm like, OK, cool. And this is when this is when I had a booker that, you know, was pulling people in. And so, you know, I didn't always know exactly who was coming as much. Now it's kind of just me sending DMs and yeah, like yeah. my producer making a few phone calls of people that I want. So it's like a little less random mm-hmm. um, from a direction standpoint. But then we talked and it was like he told me about Integratron out in um, out in Joshua Tree, he told me about aliens and mm. all this crazy stuff. And I was like, it was just one of those episodes like early on that yeah. I thought, holy crap, I had no idea it was going to go like that. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I love all the spiritual people, Joe and Robert mm-hmm. and, you know, um, Billy Carson's always fascinating. That and, was a crazy one. Yeah. Yeah. Man, he knows a lot. I, I really yeah. hope he stays safe. I told him at the end of our episode, dude, you better have security with you 24-7. <laughs> I'm gonna get more into the political realm, though. That's my new. That's my yeah. new. That's my new uh, direction. Yeah, I saw been, you on Tucker. It's been, uh, it's been uh, the episode hasn't come out yet um, that I've seen. Um, I saw the photo. Right, exactly, and um, and I went on Charlie Kirk's show. Hmm. It all kind of got launched when I went in December to uh, Amfest. It's this event that is putting on by put on by Turning Point, which is Charlie's company, um, and. And I went with my sister and we just had a great time and they're great speakers of total variety, everything from psychology to the border control to, you know, um, hardcore politics to Mm. Tucker. And um, and we just had a great time. And I just said, you know, like, I love America. So Amfest makes sense. America Fest. And people thought I was like this super MAGA, like extremist (laughs) right wing. Like it just was if I was I was a terrible person for Mm. doing this. And so it kind of kind of lit a fire yeah i saw your a long instagram post post with the caption because you used to hold back your political views right totally i didn't even have them to be honest i just was like i'm not even going there i've always been much more conservative um like i feel like i feel like i'm a lot like a lot of people like i i kind of want the country to be run conservatively but i kind of live a little bit more liberally like i think you should be able to do what you want a lot more in life than to people telling you what you can and can't. But yet, you know, it's also the country is a business and business is bad. You know, how many trillion are we in debt now? Mm-hmm. Yet, you know, we write off, you know, you write off 
you know, $30 at, you know, a coffee shop and it's accidentally under business and it should have been personal and they want to come after you. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like who's really making the checks and balances on what's going on here yeah. and why? And so, um, but anyway, I've, I've, that's generally how I've been. So, um, so I, I'm, I'm going to get into that more. I mean, I I, I've like been in contact with like Vivek's people nice. and, um, I saw you had Tulsi, RFK. RFK was on Tulsi's really cool. She nice. seems like very interesting. So I've been in touch with her Tucker, of course. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, uh, so yeah, so I've just kind of been dropped into this world. And then as soon as I posted the stuff about Tucker, Charlie was like, I want to have you on. And he's based in Phoenix. So mm. I went and did it in studio. And it, nice. it just seems like it's just happening like a snowball. Like there's just so much easy interest and direct contact with all these people. So yeah. I'm like, all right, well, let's let's go there. I don't have to be, you know, I, I'm not in sports anymore where I always felt like I had to be generally religious and politically just like uh, non-existent. Like those aren't things I talk about. And right. so, you know, let's excavate. Let's ask some questions. That's cool. Cause yeah, with athletes, very few of them ever like come out publicly with their stances. Cause yeah. I think they're so afraid of 50 50 because we're so divided. Yeah. It's such a divisive topic. Yeah. And you're I'm, not scared of that? No, no. And I think again, the conditioning from like, you know, like being in the public eye and social media and, you know, dad being t- like, I'm just, I'm good for it. I'm nice. totally fine. I was, I was built to deal with hard things. Um, so I feel like I'm, I'm ready for it. The only insecurity I have is that I'm not super educated in politics, but I was like, all right, that's just my approach. Let's just mm. learn together. Right. I might ask a dumb question. I might a- ask a really dumb question that actually gets a really interesting answer because mm. nobody asked the dumb question. That's you true. Know? That's true. They Ignorance focus. might be bliss in this situation for me. Yeah. No, I'm like, that- oh, I wasn't supposed to ask that? I didn't know. <laughs> I mean, that's why Vivek crushed it because he would actually address certain topics that people wouldn't touch. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm like very curious about it and, um, and uh, we'll see where that goes. But not yeah. to mention the engagement on the politics stuff is insane. I mean, it's just the year. Yeah. It's the year. And I, I've all, I've also had sort of the more like, spiritual questioning of like, okay, do we move forward and evolve by not participating in these kinds of conversations and ideas and adding to it as a collective consciousness? Like, do I just act like it's not there? Mm. And so perception becomes my reality. If it's not there for me, it's not there. And do we all just need to keep doing that? Or do you actually have to fight? Is there a fight that needs to be had? And do you keep it going by talking about it? Mm -hmm. I don't know, but anyway lit a fire. So I guess no, we'll figure good. it out. Do you have a candidate you're supporting this election? Um, not necessarily. Okay. I mean, I'm definitely not for Biden. So other we can than agree that, on that. <laughs> other than that, I mean, I love to I learn. Like, so yeah, I like RFK a lot. Actually. I do too. I He's... liked Vivek, but he dropped out. I know. Yeah. So now, now it's RFK or Trump for me. I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Right. I mean, that's kind of where I'm at and I'm super interested to see what people end up picking for VPs. Yeah. That would probably be interesting. That would be very interesting yeah. actually. Um, well, that was so fun. Anything you want to close off with or promote? Thanks for coming on. Of course. No, thank you for having me. And, um, and I'm a big fan of your show and just keep doing what you're doing and having these fun people. When I see your show and I see a cool clip, I literally like write down the name of someone that you've had. So I'm like, I gotta reach out to them. them. Any guests that you want from my show, reach out. Going to make an intro for you. Hey man, I'm just all here for the truth tellers. You know, people that are willing to ask the questions, people that are open-minded and good open dialogue and and really just giving a platform to people that are are, are helping us all evolve to our best self so we can be happier because 
like there's just so much more room for that in this world to um, all have a much more positive perception of so much more Mm -hmm. amazing thank you so much Annika yeah thank you thanks for watching guys as always we will see you tomorrow